I was reminded this week that everybody has their breaking point. What I mean by that is uh, if uh, I had a secret and somebody wanted to know what that secret was and I was being reluctant to uh, tell them that secret, put me in a dentist chair and I'll sing like a bird. Uh, I sat in a dentist chair for a few hours this week and uh, I was reminded uh, just why I don't go see Dennis very often. Uh, I went and saw Bethany. She did a great job and I appreciate her so much, uh, but it, was, it, it, it did remind me of, of why I've avoided them. And she told me real quick, said, well, maybe it wouldn't have been so bad if you wouldn't have avoided us for so long. And so I, I, point well taken, but uh, it's good to be here. And I'm, I, I am thankful to her. I, I, I cared to her a lot while we were there that day. And uh, but we had some good fellowship and, and talked a lot. Uh, I have never understood why a dentist wants to talk to you, though, while they got your mouth like this, and they're picking with, you know, metal objects and all that. Ah, 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 that's, you know, that's all about all you can get. So, uh, Gospel of John, chapter 17. Gospel of John, chapter 17, if you will turn there for me, please. We will continue in our study in the Gospel of John. Our... Time this morning will be, sent, uh, will be spent thinking about what and why Christ prayed for the disciples of yesteryear. John chapter 17 is the high priestly prayer of Christ. And uh, he's talked a lot about glorifying the Father and that's his greatest desire. And that's why that's where he starts. But now in chapter 9 he begins to talk about uh, and prays on behalf of the disciples. And I want us to look very specifically. Yeah, that's a hard word. Very specifically this morning at what he prays on their behalf. And then he gives us reasons why he prays for those things that he prays. So begin reading with me in John chapter 17 verse 9. Jesus said, I pray for them. And I thought, thought this was interesting. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for thy, they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in, thee, uh, in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep them thine, uh, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the Spirit might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Father, we come to you today. We ask that you would just lead us and guide us in our uh, deliberation of scriptures today that you would help us to understand from your word those things that we need to understand and those things that are required of us help us to see our our, our great shepherd and our, our high priest as he bows and he prays for those that were in his presence and we know that in, in, in the next few verses he'll begin to even pray for us that are assembled here now 
Father, even though this prayer is prayed on behalf of those disciples that were there, uh, there are so many applications that are true for us today, so help us to look for those. Father, protect me that I might say only that which need be said, nothing more, nothing less, and we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. I doubt that there is probably a day go by that at some point in time during the course of the day we're not asked, please remember me in prayer or please remember so-and-so in prayer. Uh, my phone goes off several times during a week and it's usually a member that says, I need prayers. Uh, if you're a Facebook person, and, 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 and I'm not anymore, but if you're a Facebook person, you'll find a lot of Facebook posts that pop up say, need prayers. And so there's a constant need and a, and a, a constant request that prayers go up on our behalf. And, and, and I want to ask us this morning to consider that. Are we, well, when they ask us for prayers, what's always our response? Well, yeah, but I wonder sometimes if we actually then follow through with prayer or whether we just kind of, yeah, I'll pray for you, and it just stops there. Jesus here begins to pray for his disciples. Now, again, I, I know we've talked about this time and time again, but you've got to understand, as he is praying to his father here, more than likely he has already seen the mob coming out of the, off the Temple Mountain and going down into the Kidron Valley and coming back up on the Mount of Olives. He has probably already seen them. Now, whether he's seen them with his physical eye or not, we know that he knows they're coming because he's already said, Father, the hour has come, perfect tense, and it's not going to stop. It's not going to go away. The hour for my passing, the hour in which all of the, you and I have planned is here. So we know that he knows what's going on. He is fully aware of the terrible physical price that he's about to pay so that you and I could have our sins forgiven. He is aware of the, the, the even worse spiritual price that he's about to have to pay so that we can have a relationship with our Father once again. And yet, here he is with all that going on, and he prays for them. I want you to notice the, 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 who he prays for, what he prays, and, 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 and why he prays for these things. He, he, he says he prays for those that are his, that are there with him, and not for the world. Now, I don't want you to get the wrong idea about this. We find that Jesus has prayed for the world on other occasions. In fact, in just a few hours, he's about to pray for a part of the world when he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He is praying for a large group that has is, that is probably lost. There may be some saved among everybody. He's praying for a, a large a group of people that are lost. And, and he's not praying just for those Roman soldiers that nailed him to the cross. All right? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And so he prays on their behalf. Oftentimes when we pray on behalf of others in this kind of setting, it's, it's a very general prayer. Uh, and, and many times, it's, and they find their way in our services often in our public prayers, save the lost, heal the sick, and things of that nature. And they're very general, and, and they're for uh, a large group of people. But from time to time, as Jesus does here, he realizes that there's a specific need to pray for a specific reason for a specific group of people. And so he says, Father, I'm not praying for the world. But right now, I'm focused on our disciples. And I said our disciples because seven times in this one chapter he reminds us that his disciples are a gift to him from the Father. Seven times he mentions they belong to you but you have given them to me. All right? 
And so he is looking at these guys and he's going to begin to pray on their behalf. And I think it would uh, be very uh, beneficial for us today to know what he asked, why he asked for this particular group. But let me just stop and make this point very, very quickly before we move on. When it comes to intercessory prayer, oftentimes we need to be more like this in that we are praying specifics. Lord, there is somebody that you've laid on my heart. Lord, there's, there's a particular issue, there's a particular need. And be very, very specific about who we're praying for, why we're praying for them, and, and what the request is. Knowing that in the end, what we want to have happen is God's will be done. So we understand who he prayed for. Let's talk about why he prayed for them. And, and the first thing that I notice when he talks about this prayer, he says, I, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world. But I'm praying for those which thou hast given me. Why? Why am I praying for them? Because they belong to you. They're yours, Father. They're your children. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, if you'll flip over there, uh, and we'll be back in Peter again, as I mentioned earlier, but uh, if you look over there for, for just a moment, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, I, I heard Brother David uh, refer to this verse, I, I believe, last week in the Sunday school class. And, and Peter there writes, and he says, but you are, in chapter 2, verse 9 of 1 Peter, but you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. And then he says, you are a what? You're a peculiar people. Now, no doubt, God's people often are peculiar, all right? We think of them as being oddballs sometimes, but that's not, what, that's not what Peter's talking about here. This word peculiar is a Greek word that has the idea of a very prized possession. We are God's own prized possession. We belong to him, and that's what Jesus says. Jesus says, Father, I'm going to pray for these guys, and the reason I pray for them is because they're yours. Are you beginning to get the, 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 the principle that God wants us to see here? As far as Christ is concerned, what is important to God, what is precious to God, now becomes important and precious to Him. Now, follow this all the way down. If we be children of God, if it's important and precious to God, and it's important and precious to Christ, guess what it better be for you and I? Important and precious to us. There is a relationship here. We're, 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 we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Jesus said, God, that which belongs to you is important to you. It's precious to you. Therefore, it becomes precious and important to me. And so it should be for you and I. Now, we'll talk about this more later, but just to get the, 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 the idea planted in our minds, very simply, here's the, what this means. Every single child of God is important to the Father. Agreed? Every single child of God, regardless of all their faults, are important and precious to Jesus Christ. Agreed? Then guess what every single child of God ought to be to you and I? It got quiet in here, didn't it? Regardless of all their faults and failures, how can we say to God, you love them, and they're precious, important to you. But I don't care anything for them. I don't like them. There is a relationship here, all right? Important to him, precious to him, 
And that's what that's and notice that this isn't the last thing that Jesus lists is his reason for praying. There's some other reasons here. They're in the world. The world hates them. There's an evil one that wants to destroy them. There are some things that you would think would fall in order of importance first. But Jesus says the first reason I'm praying is because, God, they belong to you, and they're pretty special to you. And if they're special to you, then they're special to me. I dug something out of my closet today. See if I could help illustrate this. You can tell this hadn't been in a flood. This is, this is not something that's been in a flood. This is just something that is extremely old. In this box is just an old hat. But Dave, you ever seen this hat? Never seen it. Hold any precious value to you? Not particularly. Not particularly. Given that information... If something happens to that hat, is your whole world going to change? Not unless I know it's important to you. <laughs> See, that hat belonged to my grandfather. I remember seeing that sitting on top of Papa's head. Papa was bald like me. He had a hole right here over his eyebrow. Kids, when your mamas tell you don't throw rocks because you'll hit somebody in the eye and knock them out, they know what they're talking about. When my papa was kids, I know you're not supposed to wear a hat in church. Just bear with me for just a minute. When my papa was a kid, he and his friends were outside and they were throwing rocks. And sure enough, one lodged right there, left a hole in his head. When papa died, went to the funeral home. First time the family viewed the body, I went to complete pieces. Papa was my hero. But the, the, the mortician didn't know enough not to fill that hole in so they filled all that hole in and, and, and used makeup whatever to make it where it couldn't be seen and I, I couldn't take that that's not Papa. I've played in Papa's head a hole in his head with my my finger and and as I got older we made the jokes about you know I need this like I need another hole in my head and all that and this hat is out of style it's out of shape it's old been beat up, been rained on a time or two. But Brother David, if I told you that story about that hat and then I gave it to you and something happened to it, now it means something, don't it? Because it's precious to me. And because it's precious to me and I entrust it to him, now there is something that makes it precious to him. Maybe not on the same level, all right, as it is precious to me. But then again, we're, we're frail humans, aren't we? We're talking about the Godhead, and there's no frailty, uh, frailty there. Jesus said, those children, those disciples, and don't think for a minute they didn't have their faults, did they? How many times did Jesus talk about his own death and passing, and they're back there arguing about who's the biggest dog among them? How many times did Jesus just have to kind of, oh, good gracious, are these guys ever going to get it? I have taught them and I've taught them and they are so thick-headed sometimes. Every now and then I hear James talking about Peter and Peter's talking about Matthew and this one's talking about that one and they're not focused on what I've taught them. They had all of their faults and their failures and no doubt Jesus 
if he were just mere human like us, would have lost his patience with him along the way sometimes. But you know one thing that kept Jesus from losing patience with those that are sometimes hard to love? They belonged to God, and they were special to him. Therefore, they're special to me. The same way that that hat would have a different meaning for him after he heard that story. Jesus said, I pray for them, Father. They're your kids. Please don't read more of this than it's there. Brother Calhoun probably can, can attest to this to some level. You know what, you know what keeps a pastor sometimes from, from just one of those sermons where he's just going to blast them all and just set them all straight? It's reminding ourselves from time to time they're his sheep. And he loves these sheep. And I love them. You know, they're sheep. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're sheep. I'm a sheep. And while a sheep may not be precious to much anybody else, they are precious to him. And so they became precious to the son. Jesus said, I pray for them. Why? They belong to the father. And then he said, they belong to me. They are a gift, Father, that you have given me. So now they are mine as well. Notice that this idea that you have given them me has embedded in it the idea of protection because he says, Father, you've given them to me and I've not lost one of them because it was a special gift that you gave me. Anybody ever received that special gift? That, that somebody gave you and, and, and now it just, it, it takes on a whole new meaning. There's a lot of shotguns in the world, lots of shotguns, but there's only one that's been passed down to me from my grandfather and my great-grandfather. You know what I mean? I can't shoot them anymore. They're in that bad of shape. Down through the years, they've been in floods, and they've been in this and that and the other. The old break-open double barrel has got so much slack there that, that it's unsafe to shoot. We had to take the firing pins out of it because it's just not safe to shoot anymore because there's too much slack and play in there. Ain't no telling how many squirrels or rabbits my, my great-grandfather has killed with that gun. I mean, it's been opened up and, and reloaded to <laughs> hundreds and thousands of times. They don't have any value anymore. One's a Browning Sweet 16, but because of the floods, it doesn't have a whole lot of value. If it was in mint condition, it would have a tremendous value. But you come try to take it away from me. That's my great-granddaddy's gun. You ain't getting it. <laughs> it has a special meaning to me. It was a gift given to me. Jesus said, these disciples, Father, I know they're yours, and that would be enough, but you gave them to me. And besides that, I'm about to redeem them with my own precious blood. They're pretty special to me too. Jesus said, I pray for them because they're his. I pray for them because they're mine. He said, I pray for them because they live in the world. Jesus made it very clear, I'm leaving. But Father, these guys don't get to go with me yet. They're staying behind. You know, I, I know somebody will misunderstand this statement and, and, and all that, but we're, we're a backwards people. We rejoice when a baby is born and we cry when a saint has gone home. We are backwards. In the world in which we live, we ought to cry that a baby's born and rejoice when the child of God's gone home. Can you imagine what the young people today are going to wind up having to live in in another 25 to 30 years? I can't begin to fathom it. 
All right? Jesus said these guys are going to have to stay in this world of sorrow and trouble and heartache and temptation and persecution and, and, and they're going to have to stay here and they're going to have to face this, Father. So I pray for them. Why? They're yours. I pray for them because they're mine. I pray for them because I know where they have to live. They have to stay here. Father, they don't get to go to heaven yet. They have to be here with all that that involves so I pray for them while they're here they're going to be hated Jesus has laid that foundation over and over again the world hates them father because they're not of the world anymore I've bought them out of the world and they're mine now and they've taken on my character and my nature and he also told them said guys they hate me you're all upset because they hate you. I got news for you guys. They started hating me long before they got to hating you. And he said, are you any better than the master? They hated me. Why do you think they shouldn't hate you? Jesus said, Father, I, I pray for them. They, <laughs> bless these guys' hearts. They're all, they're all just beside themselves because I told them I'm leaving. They don't understand the kingdom work right now. How is this going to portray without him here? Uh, where's this headed? Who's going to take, take the charge? Who's going to lead? What are we going to do? And, 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 and we've given all to follow him. I mean, they are just in a tailspin. And Jesus knows that about them. He knows when you and I are in the tailspin. He knows when our hearts are heavy. He knows when we are, just feel like we're under a load that we can't carry one more day. He knows that. And I got news for you. It's not recorded in the scriptures, but he's still interceding on our behalf, isn't he? And he's still saying, Father, that boy Jeff down there, he, his heart is heavy. Lord, let me intercede on his behalf. He's special to you. You belong to him. He's special to me. You gave me, gave him to me. I bought him with my blood. Father, I, I, I'm, I'm interceding on behalf of Jeff right now or the members of faith because, Father, they're still having to live in a world that's growing darker and darker and darker and more violent, more wicked, more evil by the day. But Father, I, I pray for them because they're hated in this world. I pray for them for these reasons, and yet I pray for them because I have sent them into the world. Now, this might sound like a contradiction. Well, if you're going to pray for us on behalf of us because we have to live in a world that we're hated, then doesn't it make better sense for us to be out of here? Well, it would if you didn't get the last point, which we're going to get in just a moment. But because of the last point, Jesus says, I pray for them because I've sent them out into that world. Just as you sent me, Father, into a world that would hate me. You sent me to a world where I would come and I'd say, you know, the foxes have, have, have their burrows, their, their caves, the, the dens, and, and the birds have nests, but here I am, the creator, the son of man, and I've got no place to lay my head. I've set aside all the glories and all the fame and all the splendor and all the majesty and all, the, uh, all that is mine because of who I am as Jesus, your son. I've set it all aside and I've came and I've been robed in the flesh and I've been beaten and I've been laughed at. I, they have tried to kill me. They tried to throw me off the, the, the brow of the hill. They have tried to stone me. They have hated me from day one, Father. And now I'm sending them into that very same world. Lord, I pray for them. I, I pray for them. 
I pray for them most importantly, he said, because we are glorified through them. That answers why we're sent to a world. You see, it would make sense if a world hates us and he's going to lovingly uh, pray for us and everything and he's going to leave this world. We would want to say, well, Lord, shouldn't you all take us with you? But you see, and I put this as most importantly because it is. Child of God, when are we going to realize his honor and glory has far more value than our comfort or our ease of life? His honor and glory is of far more value than any sacrifice we make in this life. Him getting honor and glory is far more important than anything that it might cost us in, in being faithful to the Lord's house or faithful in serving Him here or there or yonder or doing this and that and the other. His honor and glory is of the most importance and that's why Jesus said, I've sent them out into that world that's going to hate them because if they are not in the world and yet not of the world, Father, our glorification is lessened. It is only when children of God go out into a world and not live like the world but represent a holy righteous Jesus Christ that the Father gets honor and glory we've got to do it y'all it's the only way the world's opinion of God is elevated when they see us as the children of God living like the children of God but when we don't when we don't then we're not raising that opinion. Yes, it would be easier to take them. Yes, it would, be, it would be more enjoyable for them. But the most important thing, Father, and the reason I pray for them, it is through them that we get glory. Now, mind you, the Bible tells us that God said he could get rocks to stand up and give more honor and glory than sometimes we do, doesn't he? Did he not say, I could destroy every last one of them and cause the rocks to get up and praise me a whole lot more faithfully than we do sometimes? But wonder of wonders, God has chosen with all of our frailties and weaknesses and all of our, 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 just our, our flaws, God has chosen to use you and I as his children to bring him honor and glory. And it is a wonderful, wonderful thing to be a part of that which brings him honor and glory. How does he get glory by us? Well, simply by being saved by him. Just by being saved and trusting in him and letting him change our lives. By, by them seeing a hope in us that is not there with them. By seeing that we can handle certain circumstances in life without just falling apart like they do. Because we are His. We have a peace that passes all understanding. They don't have it. He can get honor and glory through us. Do we trust Him? Barnhouse one day, uh, Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse was asked, by a man says, well, what does God want? And, and Dr. Barnhouse, I'm going to cut through some of this, said, well, what God wants is to be trusted, to be believed. Do you trust him? Do you believe in the Savior he has sent? Do you trust the Savior himself? And he went on to say this, and, and, and I wanted to read this so that you'd get this the way he said it. He said, you do not trust him if you complain about your circumstances in life. Anybody ever done that? 
My goodness, I wish I could attain to y'all's heights. I read this and I got very convicted because I complained to God a lot. I'm surprised God hasn't done, you know, to me what he's done with the children of Israel many times because he said, Moses went to him and, and God said, these people are always complaining. It's not trust when every time something doesn't go the way I want it, I'm complaining. Barnhouse went on to say, do you trust him when you worry about the future? Do you trust him uh, while you're fretting over the small disappointments of every day? He said, on the contrary, God gets glory when we trust him regardless what comes and says, I am yours, do with me as you see fit. God gets glorified to the degree that we live a holy life. People today have so hung up on the, on the subject of God's love and, and, and that's not a subject we need to take lightly. It is a tremendous subject when you consider we don't deserve it and it's, it's by his love that anything else is possible. But if you look in the Bible, the characteristic by which God is most often uh, portrayed is not love. The characteristic that God is most often portrayed in his Bible is not love, but it is holiness. That's the most often characteristic of God portrayed in the Bible. We are his children. When we show the world that holy life, because we have a new nature, God gets honor and glory from us. When we don't live in the spiritual adultery that Israel did, when we don't compromise with the values of our society, if the priorities of our non-Christian culture become our priorities, if we're living in a way that feeds the flesh, but is contrary to the word of God. He's not getting glory from us. And yet Jesus said, I sent them into the world so that we could get glory, Father. They are glorified when we confess to the world. It's not enough to live it before the world. It's not enough for the world to, to realize that there is something different about us. Peter said, be ready always to give an answer. Why? Well, because you've sanctified the Lord God in your heart. You're living different than the rest of the world, and they're going to see it, and they're going to realize it, and then they're going to ask you about it, and you've got to be ready always to what? Confess that Jesus Christ is the difference. It's not enough to show them that they can be different, but it is to instruct them that they can be different as well. God gets glory when we use our efforts to extend his kingdom. I want you to do me a favor real quick, will you? Either turn in the blue hymnal to number 48 or the white hymnal to 728, whichever one you grab. The song is in both hymnals. The one in the blue hymnal, I believe, has the course to it. Yes, that the white hymnal does not have. You know, I, I'm a big fan of... of, of calling to mind songs that we sing, that we just sing words and we don't really think sometimes about what we sing. But in 728 on the white hymnal or 48 in this one, it says, Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? And shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Sure, I must fight if I would reign 
Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain, supported by thy word. Of course, in the blue hymnal, the chorus, and when the battle's over, we shall wear a crown. We shall wear a crown. And when the battle's over, we shall wear a crown. Say, so, well, what, what's that got to do with anything? God gets honor and glory when his people are advancing God's kingdom on this earth. And I'm afraid sometimes we become that, that, that child of God that has gotten lazy and, and, and content. That child of God that says, well, I'm too young or I'm too old. Or I'm too this or I'm too that. That child of God that's not working and striving and fighting in the war to advance God's kingdom. And we want to be carried to our home on flowery beds of ease. Would we today, honestly, catch this if you don't get anything else, please. Would we, would we today realize that even in this town, there are thousands that do not know Christ as their Savior. There is a lot of work in this town that we could advance the kingdom of God. Uh, anybody go to Walmart yesterday? I lost my mind. Anybody else go to Walmart yesterday? Tommy, I did. I walked in there and I thought, oh, I'm so stupid. What am I doing here today? Every college student in, in OBU and Henderson had to be at Walmart that same time I was there. I'm not so sure the ones in ULR and UCA wasn't down here shopping. I stood there forever. I'm thankful they're here. But you know what I was thinking about when I saw all those kids? Boy, I'm getting old when I think of them as kids. I thought there is a great potential for the kingdom of God to be advanced this year. I asked the, our two college students, three college students that came today, I, I asked them, I said, uh, is the numbers increased or something? It sure looked like it by, by Walmart standards. And they told me it's one of the largest freshman classes that Lee Henderson's had in a while. You know what that means? It means as Jesus told the disciples, the fields are white unto harvest. But the laborers well, are there few? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease? The Father gets glory. Christ gets glory when we're advancing his kingdom. I've really got to hurry. What did he pray for? We've understood why he prayed very quickly. What did he pray for? I love this. Again, we're going to look at some other issues that come on down that you might think would be more important. But I really think Jesus was praying in a level of importance here. And, and he said, Father, I, I, I'm praying for them because they're yours and because they're the source of glory for us. And then he begins what he asked for them. And he doesn't ask for them to be kept from the evil one yet. That's coming and that is important. But what does he ask first? Father, help those disciples to become one. Not splintered. Not, fact, not, not you know, broken up and, and, and having their own factions and their own groups and their own cliques. Father, I, I pray 
I know how bad James gets on this one's nerves, and I know how bad that one irritates this one. And, and I hear them talking about, you know, is he ever going to quit whistling that same tune? I mean, he's been walking for three and a half years whistling the same tune. Would somebody please tell him to quit whistling that tune? Jesus said, listen, guys, I know all of that is real there. In fact, in the Gospel of Luke, he said, it's impossible, but that offenses will come. But let me tell you something. When we let Christ's Spirit work for us and we let Him and the prayer He interceded on our behalf work for us, we can be one in Him. We can be. It's not easy. But it can be done. And I'll go this far. It must be done for that kingdom to grow. And as long as it's not done, the kingdom suffers. We still got our own little private thing that we're feeling good about. At least I finally showed him or her. But the kingdom suffers. Guys, I, I didn't make this up. I, I, I'm not the one that put this. I, I, Jesus is not like the president looking at a teleprompter and somebody else wrote a speech. Jesus is praying from the heart, knowing his people, knowing they had a specific need and that they were in a specific situation. And he specifically said, Father, please help them be one. And I'll tell you this, they won't be one until his spirit makes them one. It won't come naturally. It won't come naturally. So he prayed, Father... May they be one. Did you notice what he said? Did he stop with may they be one? What did he say after that? May they be one what, Brother David? As you and I are. See, now this isn't left open to our putting our parameters on it, is it? This isn't, well, he said we'd be one, okay, and, and, and do like the Jews did and figure out, well, I, I bet what he really meant in the law of Moses was this. No, Jesus said what he really meant. Father, may, be, may they be one and by the way, the Greek word there is just as, exactly like you and I are one. Never one moment's contradiction between the Father and Son. Never one moment of rumoring or talking about. Never one moment of a, of a, of a, of a, a lacking of love. Always perfect agreement. May they be one. May they have my full joy. Wow. Hours before feeling the pain of the spikes driven through his hands and feet. Hours before the pain of the crown of thorns and the flogging and the beating they were going to give him that left him beyond recognition as a human being. Hours before they were going to laugh at him and mock him and say, Oh, you talked about saving everybody. You can't even save yourself. Oh, he said he's a king. Here, give him a scepter. Here, here's his crown. Put some royal on him. Oh, let's laugh and mock him. Hours before that, he says, Father, I pray for my disciples. They're yours. They're mine. I pray that my joy, Father, the joy that I have becomes their joy. And it's a joy that is carried to its fullest extent in them. This is the joy that kept Jesus to say, Father, if there's another way, but not my will, thy will be done. This is the joy that Jesus had when he looked at his disciples and said, Guys, you see them? They're on their way. Come on, let's go meet them in the way. And he went to meet them that were coming to arrest him. That's a joy you and I don't possess on our own. 
It's a joy this world does not understand because it's not a joy from this world. It is a joy that only he has, that only he can give. And Jesus said, Father, I pray that they would experience that joy. Now he says, Father, I pray that they would be protected. There is an evil one in this world. Father, you know him. He hates you. I know him. He hates me. Wasn't but just a couple, three years ago, he had me out in the wilderness and he was trying to get me to do this and this and this and this. And he is going to unleash his full attention on these 11 men as soon as I'm gone. Father, please, please protect them. Doesn't mean that nothing can't happen to us that's bad necessarily. But he's asking the Father that unless it stands in the way of his honor and glory, please protect them from that evil one. The last thing he asks is that they might be sanctified. In fact, before he asked that, he says, Father, I sanctified myself before them. I did this in their presence. I set myself apart to your service to do your will in their presence. They know that everything I've done, every step I've taken, every thought, every word, every, every even, uh, just everything, Father, they know that I have been totally 100% set apart for you and to do what you would have me to do, that you'd get on in glory. Father, I've been set apart so that they could have an example. And now I pray, Father, please set them apart. And again, Jesus doesn't leave us to guess what the parameters are of this. He said, set them apart through truth. And it's not truth as dictated by the United States Supreme Court. It's not truth as dictated by the, the, the postmodern era. It's not truth as dictated by uh, those that are 75 years old or those that are of the, uh, the next generation. It is truth that is his word. Sanctify them. And our only hope to be sanctified, y'all, it's through his word. And the sanctify goes right back to what we were talking about. That's how he's going to get honor and glory when we're sanctified. Almost done. So what does this mean to us? What's this got to do with us? We need to understand that our brothers and sisters in Christ are important to God because they belong to him. And if they're important to God... By nature, they must now become important to us. If God loves them, we love them. If God cherishes them, we cherish them. If God encourages them and strengthens them, we encourage and strengthen them. From time to time, Paul will have to withstand Peter to his face. But even that is done because Peter belonged to God. What does this mean to us? They, they are important to God. They belong to him. So they must be important to us. And they are a part of us. The world must know that the love of Christ is real. And that the love of Christ covers a multitude of sins. Does it not? A multitude of sins. There are huge mountains of sin in my past. And there's a much more we're going to get stacked on top of it. And the love of God covers those sins.
when I realize how much of my sins are covered under the love of, of God, it should become easier for me now to let the love of God cover the multitude of sins and others. They are in the world. Therefore, we ought to be encouraging them, holding them up, edifying. We got a work to do. We live in an evil world that wants to deter us from our work. We got our own flesh that wants to be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease. This means that we are in the world and we each know we're in the world. So we're praying for one another the way that Christ prayed for these disciples. And we understand what's at stake is not my private agenda. Not that I'm proven to be right or wrong or I've built the bigger side. What's important and what's at stake is the lost world sees our God for who he really is. That's what's at stake, y'all. All that is wrapped up when Jesus said, Father, I pray for him. And next week, He's going to broaden that so that he says, I don't pray for them alone. But I pray for those that will believe because of their word. That's you and I. Let's stand and prepare for a verse of invitation. Father, we come to you this morning. Mindful, Father, that you love us. Peter, who was always quick to open his mouth and stick his foot in it, say the wrong thing and you loved him all the other disciples facing your own death you prayed for them very specifically and asking God to do some very specific things for them for some very specific reasons God, help us today to find the example of our Savior, to pray for one another, to love one another, to, to, to seek to honor and glorify God above all else, realizing that this old flesh must die if I'm to honor and glorify Him. Father, maybe there's one today that's become backslidden, and Father, help them to know that your son still loves them and they're still precious in his sight and they're still precious in your sight. And today, they can have that wonderful, joyous relationship. Father, mended and walk out of here feeling that that separation is no longer there. Lord, I, I don't know the needs. I'm not the Holy Spirit. But God, I pray that this Sunday, this moment, right now, at this invitation time, we're honest with you. And that we make things right with you. Because it's more important than about us. It's all about your kingdom work. And we ask these things in your precious name. Amen.